Welcome everybody to the Nick and John podcast. What is up, Nick? Not much. Um, crazy stuff going on in the NBA, which we're obviously going to talk about soon. But uh, no, regular day on my end. Uh, happy it's over. Happy that we're done. Hump day, middle of the week. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, by hump day, I assume you mean it's Wednesday that we're recording this podcast right now. Yes, I don't mean a day where everyone is humping each other. Um, that's cool yeah, too. yeah. That, hey, if that's your thing, that you go for it. It's 2019. As long as it's consensual, all is good. I'm just excited about basketball, so I don't know what I'm saying anymore. So, what's up on your end, John? Not much. Um, you know, just uh, pretty. You know, I've come down from that high of the NBA Finals, and I'm in the middle of watching Wimbledon, uh, mm. which is always my favorite time of the year. I always say the first day of Wimbledon is, you know, maybe except for my birthday, is probably my favorite day of the year. Um, so July is always an awesome month for that, and uh, I think we've recorded some really good podcasts, and I cannot wait for people to listen to them and get into everything and all the different topics we've discussed in the last little while. Yeah, for sure. And it's um, interesting because we want to start promoting this a little more. And funny that at the same time that we want to promote it a little more, we're actually going to be gearing today to a way more specific topic. Um, yes. As anyone who might have been listening with us up until now is not surprised. We talk a lot about basketball, it's something that John and I are both very passionate about. Um, we love the sport. And today we're actually going to be just talking about NBA free agency transactions, what's going on, how we think some of these moves are going to impact the teams that are involved. So if you're just checking in for the first time, this is not a typical podcast. Check back to older episodes. There's a lot of zany, funny topics, music, pop culture, anything you might be into, we've probably covered. In fact, we even covered B-Sex and Pornhub. But today, we're sticking to basketball. So, yeah, I think that's a good enough segue. Uh, yeah, exactly. So today is a little bit different, uh, and we will be back uh, next week or the next 10 days probably with another podcast where we're going to get into all of, you know the latest pop culture things. But just because uh, NBA free agency is always really huge and we have so many takes, we didn't want to wait until we had a few different topics to discuss with you guys. We really just wanted to get into what our takes are on the different changes in the NBA. So I believe uh, this, we'll, we'll call this like episode, I believe last one was episode six. So we'll call this one episode 6.5 maybe. I like that. Like a half episode uh, for you guys who are just interested in sports. If you're not so interested, uh, please come back next time. We're definitely going to be talking about different things. But if you are interested in the NBA and uh, some basketball, this is a place to do it. And I basically, you know, when I, when I spoke to you about this earlier, I say this is the culmination of the NBA season. This is the final point before kind of things reset and start over in the fall. So, uh, you know, for those who are a little bit tired of us talking about basketball, this will probably be the last basketball takes for a while. And uh, we'll kind of get into it. And uh, so let's, let's kind of go over, you know, from a macro perspective, how we're going to look at this. So uh, on June 30th, 6 p.m., free agency started, and there are a bunch of signings. Do you want to kind of go into, uh, go over some of the major ones, or do you have any hot takes or things that you're dying to talk about right away? For, first of all, really funny, um, free agency started. I had a wedding. Um, so I actually walked into the wedding just on finding out the news that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were joining the Brooklyn Nets, spoiler alert, and topics we're going to be discussing very soon. But I found this out, had to go into this wedding on like the 
highest of free agency highs, just freaking out, not really having many people to talk to about this, especially since the ceremony was about to start. Fortunately for me, John is the best of friends and was sending me live updates of every transaction that was going on. So I can, you know, check after the ceremony and just throughout the night know what was going on. So John, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Well, that's a perfect place to start and it's no problem. We'll start with the biggest names and you know, there's one big name still out there. So for those who are wondering at the time of recording, just before we kind of get into those signings, the Kawhi Leonard signing has not happened yet. So if you guys already know what happened, um, high future, Nick, high future, John, Uh, I'm glad you guys know where Kawhi Leonard's going to play next year. But for now, we're going to just cover the, I, I would say, you know, some people say they're, he's number two. Some people say he's number three between Kawhi and KD. But really, like one of the best players in the NBA uh, teamed up with one of, in my opinion, one of the clutchest players in the NBA over the last, uh, I guess, you know, six or seven years. And now they're playing for the Brooklyn Nets, which we've speculated on the podcast about a few times over the last few months. So tell me what you think. How are they going to do? Um, is this a good move for Durant, a good move for Kyrie? I think... First of all, before we started the podcast, and I wish I thought of this earlier, I really wish we had the soundbite of us discussing this literally months ago. I mean, John and I were so far from the Kyrie and KD to the New York Knicks bandwagon. We not only were far away from it, we were ready to burn that wagon to shreds, like literally light it up. I'm happy. I'm very happy with the decision for them both to team up and go there. No matter what they did, I kind of wanted to see them do something together. Like, I would have rather see them, unfortunately, both on the Knicks than see one of them go to each New York team. Um, as much as I would have hated to see either of them in a New York Knicks jersey, because clearly everything they touch turns to rubble. I apologize, any New York Knicks fans out there. But I like the move. I think it was a really good move. Um, we've discussed, I think, a few times that the Brooklyn Nets are a team that's on the rise, a young team that's on the rise which is really cool to see these guys who are still young Kyrie Irving especially still young I mean Kevin Durant's a little older he is going to be coming off an injury not playing next season but the following season coming off of an injury but I like this move to surround this nice young core of Jared Allen you have um, Joe Harris coming off the bench Chris Levert who had a near all-star breakout year until he got hurt I mean, that's going to be really exciting to see that backcourt of Kyrie and him. And we're not even talking about DeAndre Jordan. We haven't even gotten there yet. DeAndre Jordan is a Brooklyn net as well. So that whole team is going to be really exciting to watch. And I actually am going to go as far as to say, I think they're going to be in playoff contention without KD next season. I think they're going to make a lot of noise. I think Kyrie's going to have a lot easier of a time integrating into this team this system and they're actually going to revolve a lot more around him this season than the Boston Celtics did last season. Yeah, I agree. You basically take D'Angelo Russell off the Brooklyn Nets and you put Kyrie Irving in his place, obviously an upgrade there. Uh, What I, you know, I'll get into the Knicks stuff in a little bit because there's a lot to say there, but with regards to the Nets, uh, I see a really, really potential championship winning team uh, coming up and I, and I don't necessarily see it next year but I think you know two three years down the line and I always like to look at these things because I'm a fan of multiple sports so for me it's not necessarily about the X's and O's of basketball I, I'm interested in the storylines what makes these players tick and the NBA is by far the best major sport for understanding people's personalities and there's not you know two more complex 
at times depressing players in the NBA than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You know, people from the outside see, you know, these are two players who probably always have something to complain about and they're teaming up together to win championships and potentially, you know, turn around their legacies in a way. Because as far as Kyrie was concerned, you have a guy who was not able to bring Cleveland to a championship by himself and really wanted his own team. And people really just felt that LeBron deserved a lot of the credit, even though Kyrie hit that last shot in 2016. And Kyrie went to Boston. And frankly, it was a failure. He didn't do what he wanted to do. And now, you know, going to Brooklyn, will he accomplish that? Or is, it, or is Durant going to get that credit? And so it's a really interesting perspective that he decided, okay, I want to basically team up with the next best thing to LeBron, which is KD or a healthy KD, and to see how that goes. And then as far as Kevin Durant's concerned, uh, a guy who was never able to win in OKC goes to Golden State and is criticized probably more than any NBA player ever because he basically became the cherry on top to an existing championship team. And now he goes somewhere to Brooklyn where I guess you can say he is definitely the best player on the team and they're not an existing champion. So if Brooklyn wins and he's healthy and playing, he will get that credit finally. So the storyline of the Brooklyn Nets will be something that I love to watch and will be so exciting for the next two, three, four years. And what I find the most interesting out of the last thing you said about Kevin Durant coming there and what him playing with this Brooklyn team, potentially winning a championship, if not multiple championships with this team, is for most of his career, and I mean, he said it apparently for his entire life, Kevin Durant has always been number two. I mean, I think that's a quote... um, him discussing how he's been the number two pick in high school. He was the second best player. How up until this point before his injury in the NBA, even he was always the second best player to LeBron. So I find it very interesting that if they win a championship, he will have just like LeBron James won a championship with Kyrie Irving as his second in command. So it almost kind of puts them on the same playing ground kind of, you know, they have the same second guy. And then it's like based on, his performance in these upcoming seasons and these upcoming playoffs and these upcoming potential championship games that can really pinpoint on who at that age or who at that point in their career was better KD or LeBron. So I actually think this situation that he got himself in joining a non-championship team with Kyrie Irving being the second go-to is the perfect place for Kevin Durant to be to solidify himself as potentially up there with the big dogs, you know? Like, I mean, right now, I think we could argue that Kevin Durant is a top 20 to top 10 greatest player of all time. And I think how he plays with Kyrie Irving and this Brooklyn Nets team will really, really cement him in the legends and in the storybooks, depending on how it goes. I mean, it's almost like to the T, right? They have... KD is the LeBron, Kyrie is literally Kyrie, and then they're with a third, you know, big guy who is a little past his prime, who is not playing maybe as well as he was once playing on his former team, but is still a force to be reckoned with with DeAndre Jordan. So I think this is the perfect situation for KD to be in. I think it's an amazing situation for Kyrie to be in. And on a kind of separate note, I find it really funny how historically KD himself having some 
we'll call it attitude problems. By that, I mean, you know, his uh, Twitter fingers and kind of the way he uh, interacts with the media. KD is historic for playing with players who also have some quote-unquote attitude problems. I mean, playing with Russell Westbrook, then playing with Boogie Cousins and Draymond Green, now playing with Kyrie Irving, who is like such a personality and so um, questioned and spoken about in the media and uh, fans. And it's going to be interesting to see how these two even off the court, you know, fair as a duo. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, but obviously, even more looking forward to seeing how they pair up together on the court, especially being friends. And uh, I'm really excited about the Brooklyn Nets. Me too. And I think if you were to have said to me, even prior to free agency, can you name me the top two NBA players who want to beat LeBron James more than anything? I would say Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And in a way, you know, you look at it like uh, LeBron is building his own thing out West. And now you have his two rivals building something together out East. And as far as building something is concerned, I mean, we'll probably get into this later on in the in the show. But for me, uh, Brooklyn is not a finished product by any means. They have some really good young pieces. But even like DeAndre Jordan is a big name. But for someone for me, I don't know that he's going to have championship impact in the way that um you know you saw Marc Gasol and you saw Baca have on the Raptors this past season and I still think he's he's a good player to have on their team but they're still missing some pieces that are you know I would say some good veterans and some good three and D guys that you know you know you kind of fill out a championship roster with and then of course there's the Durant being injured factor which you know he's he would potentially come back in the playoffs next year uh, but with an Achilles, may not be good for two years. So there's still a lot of question marks there as far as I'm concerned with Brooklyn, though the storyline is more exciting than anything we've had in the last few years in the NBA for sure. I agree with you on the last point. This is such an exciting storyline. Um, we live for the stories, especially in this sort of setting, especially in free agency, just to kind of speculate on what's going to happen. But I actually disagree with you on the premise that they don't have the pieces yet to be that team. I think with a starting lineup alone, uh, I mean, whether you want to start DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, or play them together, which if they can work that out, I think that is such a dangerous front court because you have DeAndre Jordan, who is literally just going to be garbage time for days. This guy's going to be picking up everything off of the rim. Sorry, not garbage time. To correct myself, he's going to be picking up garbage points for days. Um, just everything off of the rim, anything not going in, he's going to be blocking shots. He's going to be literally living in the paint and he's going to be able to because he's playing with so many players who stretch the floor, which is going to be really interesting to see. Again, Jared Allen, a really young and promising big. This guy was blocking some of the best of them last season. I mean, he was ending up in the highlights multiple, multiple times. And I actually have faith in him that he is just going to even further progress um, sticking to players that were already on the Brooklyn Nets. You have, as I mentioned before, Chris LeVert. If he can get to his former form pre-injury, this is a guy who was averaging about 18 points, like getting in the 20s on some games. If he can manage to take it a step up, which I know is going to be hard now, having Kyrie Irving, who is so ball dominant, uh, inserted into the game. But he was doing this alongside D'Lo. I mean, yeah, they were sometimes on and off at different times, but... 
I think Chris Levert has the potential to get about 18 points a game. Off the bench, you have Spencer Dinwiddie, who, I mean, if Lou Williams wasn't such a lock for sixth man of the year, Spencer Dinwiddie would be in serious contention for that role. I mean, he was phenomenal. I think he averaged something of like 15 points. And when given the minutes, he could really, really go off. They managed to uh, pick up, I believe, Torian Prince from the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, that's a very young, promising player at the small forward position. He, I think, is going to do really well for them, especially having a point guard like Kyrie Irving to be dishing him the ball. And then I noticed also, I believe, Wilson Chandler is now on the Brooklyn Nets. Not to say he's what he was, let's say, three seasons ago when he started kind of like having that weird vet breakout. But, I mean, that's still a good bench player, especially a good one who has experience, who has been on multiple teams. He's been a journeyman, can really add to this team and really like mentor the younger players. And I didn't even mention Joe Harris, who is lights out shooting. I mean, this is a guy who is almost automatic from the three. Now, this is the team without even Kevin Durant. Also, I mean, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson sometimes has his days. I'm not big on him, but some might be, so I'm going to mention that name there. All this to say, you throw in Kevin Durant in the mix, and in my eyes, this is a team that has the star potential in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, let's even say DJ, potentially Chris LeVert. The star potential to have that starting lineup that is deadly, and the depth in guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, potentially Rondé, if this is his year, because every year they say players to watch break out, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, whatever, Torian Prince. And I mean, I really think this team already has what it takes once they have a healthy Kevin Durant to go all the way, to at least make the finals against hopefully LeBron James and Anthony Davis's Lakers, because that would be exciting to watch. That would be made for movie TV right there. A hundred percent. And I don't think that Kyrie or KD would have gone there if they didn't have a team that was capable of winning a championship. I just, I, from my perspective, I'm a little bit more wait and see. I know they had a very good year. I know they've been building up to this. And I know that most people around the NBA believe that they're ready. I still think that there's a couple pieces here and there that they may add throughout the year, whether it's uh, at the trade deadline or going into next year. Because I still think that if you, this team without Kevin Durant is not winning the championship. So, no, no. so to see what he is when he comes back will be, you know, may determine if they're able to pull this off and then what other pieces they can have around him. So I, I think the Nets are probably, I'd say, at the trade deadline next February, they're going to evaluate Katie's injury, kind of see where he's at, and then see if they need to add an extra piece going into the playoffs um, because I'm sure they want to give their their players as much playoff experience as possible. I would say that the Nets would probably be my favorite going into the following year. As of next year, I'm not so sure. But what I would love to do is let's move on to a team 20 minutes away from the Nets. Let's talk a little bit about the Knicks. Look, these are players that are all young players that there's, they have some good pieces, but Talk about one of the worst trades in sports history, potentially. You know, if, if Christoph Porzingis ends up being a, you know, one of the better players of this generation, the Knicks have made a brutal trade and one that could have only been salvaged by picking up Kyrie, KD, Kemba, 
Kawhi, one of these guys. And as far as I understand, they couldn't even sit down and meet them in person. A lot of these players would only call the team. And James Dolan, uh, you know, shame on you because <laughs> this is, uh, you know, like as a long-suffering Cubs fan for a while, um, I, I do feel for the Knicks fans who are dying to have finally some good players come play for them. And they've never had a top five NBA player ever play for the Knicks. And they were so close and they just ended up 20 minutes away. So what do you think? I think what's, and on the note of them being 20 minutes away, I think what's most important for everyone to remember, if you're listening, I want you to think this through, to remember when we think about where the New York Knicks are today, is that about a month ago, the discussion was when Zion... Kyrie, KD, or some mix of that with Kawhi is playing for the Knicks, we will be contenders. I want that to sink in and then look at the roster that's containing Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, and Alfred Payton as some of your big free agent signees. So once that sinks in, I think it's a mess. I think on the Nick and John podcast, we live by the New York Knicks are clowns. The New York Knicks are arguably the worst run, run, the worst run franchise of all time. And I think they really did us on the Nick and John podcast a service by proving us right to everyone out there. I feel bad for RJ Barrett. It sucks. I mean, despite losing AD, I mean, and I guess we'll talk about this a little later, but I think New Orleans is in a great place right now. So to see your teammate, your you had mentioned to me their his best friend, Zion, in a really good situation right now. Not only a good situation to develop himself, but a good situation for his team to develop. And then you look and see what you're surrounded by. I mean, I know RJ was very excited to be playing at Madison Square Garden as for some, I mean, most players have that dream, despite the Knicks being literally a burning dumpster fire. But I don't know. I just feel bad for this guy. And I feel bad even for Mitchell Robinson, who's a promising young talent, who's just kind of in the mix of that. Uh, I feel happy and excited for Noah Vonley, who's joining us over in Minnesota. He got out of that mess. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's when you expect the best of the best, and you end up getting guys like Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington, it's just disappointing. I mean, not for us, because, I mean, I couldn't care less about the Knicks. In fact, I almost find it comical that this is how it went to be. And look, Julius Randle's going to do something of averaging, like, 25 points a game, 24 points a game. He's going to be off the charts. But what does that say when it's just empty stats and your team – has Frank Nilakina coming off as your, your backup shooting guard. I mean, who cares at this point? Yeah, there's no real championship aspirations there at this point. And I will actually make the hot take that I think that if the draft had gone, the way, or the lottery had gone the way that they wanted it to go, and they got Zion, I still think the team is the same that it is today, except you swap out RJ for Zion. I don't think it changes the minds of Durant and Kyrie to say now we're going to go to the Knicks because Zion's there. I think that they wouldn't have gone regardless. It's just a better situation in Brooklyn. And, you know, 
as far as I heard, I mean, I heard that the Knicks weren't even willing to offer Katie a max contract. Now I will, you know, preface that by saying, I get it. He's injured. You want to do your due diligence, but for a team like the Knicks, you cannot afford to mess that up. And if they even, if I'm Katie and I hear that they're even hesitating, I'm like, uh, bitch please <laughs> like that's what I'm like <laughs> right you know, that's how I feel because uh, like you're lucky to even get a call from me considering the way that your franchise has run over the last 30 years so it's uh it's really insane um do you have anything else to say about the Knicks or, or do you want to move on to another team um I mean just to your final point and let's be modest and call KD the 15th best player of all time. Because as mentioned before, he could even be argued in the top, like, you know, he's somewhere between 10 and 20. Let's, let's say 15th best player of all time. Yes, he's out for the season, but you, you give this guy the max contract. I mean, for a team even not in as shitty as a situation as the New York Knicks, you give him the max contract. This is one of the greatest of all time. Even if he's a shell of his former self, you give him the max. And even furthermore, when you are in a garbage situation that the Knicks have found themselves being year after year after year, you give them the max contract. Because here they are now with this lackluster front court. And no disrespect to Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle's great. I think one of the biggest mistakes the Lakers made in recent history was letting him walk. But you have this lackluster front court of Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and my man, Taj Gibson, he's made some great plays. He's has some good vet experience. But Taj Gibson's not getting you to the playoffs when he's surrounded by guys like Bobby Portis, as mentioned, Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr. is good. Dennis Smith Jr. is good. I'm not on the Dennis Smith Jr. hype wagon. I think he's good. But that's about it. And Alfred Payton, who has yet to prove himself year after year. He's like the Rondé Hollis Jefferson of this team, as I mentioned earlier. He's going to break out this season. He's going to break out. The Knicks are as expected. I'm cool with that. We were right. They're clowns. They are what they are. Yeah, well, let's move on to something a little bit better. A team that was, you know, I would say imploding a little bit, but may have turned it all around. And I would love to talk about, you know, more teams in the East. We'll we'll continue down that path. Let's talk about the Celtics because they made a big, big pickup. Probably, I mean, I would say the next biggest move in free agency so far has been Kemba Walker to the Celtics. And you take Kyrie off the Celtics. You take Al Horford off the Celtics, which we'll get into in a bit. But let's talk about the Celtics because this was a team that I actually had going to the finals last year and they did not meet their expectations. Gordon Hayward will now be two years off a catastrophic injury. He will be probably getting back to what he was, one can hope. Uh, You'll have another year for Jason Tatum where, you know, I'm always advocating that year one and year two, it's really hard to judge what a player is going to be like. But, you know, year three, year four, that's when you really start to see how players are. So you have Tatum in year three, Brown in year four. You have a Kemba Walker. You drafted Carson Edwards, who's a very solid player. Romeo Langford, very solid players. Uh, You still have Marcus Smart on your team. Uh, Now you picked up Enos Cantor as well to kind of fill that Al Horford spot. And I would say Cantor was one of the players who had one of the best playoffs last year as well. So uh, I'm very interested to hear what you think about the Celtics and where they stack up now. 
I like what the Celtics are doing. Do I think going out and getting Kemba Walker was an essential move for them in the long run? No, I don't think so. But I do think it's good to have some guidance for guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, to see a player like Kemba who hopefully, and I do strongly think so, can hopefully lead them better than Kyrie Irving did. I think you can agree with me on that. I think Kemba kind of shows more leadership qualities. I mean, his loyalty to Charlotte up until now and his love for the city and love for the team is like unparalleled to a point where we even thought he was going to, by we, I mean, NBA fans all around the world thought he was going to stick around there in that mess. I like what they're doing. I think they got worse. That's my take on that. I mean, Enos Cantor offensively is a very good player. Defensively is a horrible liability. He's not good defensively. And he is, as of now, it seems like going to be their starting and go-to center. So that's kind of an issue they'll have to deal with. Um, Gordon Hayward, if he can go back to what he was, or at least close to, that's going to be great. But if not... They're burning so much money on this guy. He has arguably top five worst contracts in the NBA. I think only topped by Chris Paul, Andrew Wiggins, John Wall, and maybe there's one other to throw in the mix there. But Gordon Hayward's on a horrible contract. I like that they kept Marcus Smart, though. I think that was a group. The fact that they didn't trade him away, I think that's amazing. That's going to help them a lot defensively. That's going to help guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum know what it means to hustle. Um, but yeah, look, I don't, I think they moved down from where they were last season. I also anticipated them not only coming out of the East, but if there was a team that was going to beat the Golden State Warriors in the East, I anticipated it to be Boston. That wasn't the case. I think they're going to be moving down in the rankings there. Still, Still playoff contenders, depending if uh, Jason Tatum can actually progress, because he did not really progress much from his first season to last. But yeah, I think now they're really going all in on Tatum and going all in on Brown, which is a really good move on their part, because look, they have assets for days, and they can just either keep trading those assets or keep drafting and building around these guys. So they have a lot to work with, and I think the team they have now works well for an organization that has a lot to work with. What do you think? I'm actually higher on them than, uh, than you are. And uh, I, I don't know if this is just off what I originally thought of them and I'm trying to validate that maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I, I am trying to be objective here. I'm certainly not a Boston sports fan, but I do feel like Jason Tatum is going to be a great player. I, I really believe in him. And I, I, I agree with you there, though. That I do agree with. Yes. And, and, and every metric, as far as I know, showed that Tatum played better when Kyrie Irving was not on the floor. So now here's the thing. Their biggest loss in free agency was Al Horford. It yes. was not Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. Not that Kyrie isn't the better player, but replacing Kyrie with Kemba is replacing him with a marginally worse player. I think Campbell Walker is, you know, the, uh, I don't know, if Kobe is Jordan, Kemba is Kyrie, you know, like, it's like, there's, they're as close of approximation to getting to that point that you can. And 
if he comes in, good personality, gets along with the other guys, and they're able to understand as an organization what made Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, work or not work with Kyrie, and they are able to fix that with Kemba, I think they're going to end up being a great team. Uh, I, I really do, and I think that people are going to underestimate them coming off of last year, and I think that they have not necessarily championship potential, but you know, potential to knock out a big team in the playoffs. Like if I could envision a scenario where if KD comes back and he's not fully healthy or he's not playing and yeah, I, I can see next year potentially a Celtics net series where, you know, if KD is not fully healthy or not back yet and you know, all the pieces haven't been put together. And the key is if everything comes together in Boston, if Kemba plays well, if Hayward is back, and if Tatum, you know, makes that ascension that you need, and maybe some of the centers on Boston can step up, I could see them not necessarily winning the championship, but knocking out one of the big teams and being that, you know, that spoiler uh, somewhere down the line next year, because they're a danger team. And I don't think that anyone wants to see Boston in a playoff series. I, I agree. I think a lot of teams don't want to see them there. I think they have potential. I don't see them being as big as you do right now for the very reason, as you put it, I think Al Horford was their biggest loss despite not being the best player that left in this off season. He was their biggest loss. He was their glue guy. And I think he actually was a big factor to how well Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, when still there were playing while Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were out. I think People overlook how integral Al Horford was to those players' success at that time. Um, do I necessarily think Al Horford's going to work out as well on Philadelphia? I don't know. I guess we'll get to Philadelphia in a little bit. But for now, I think that's going to impact them. And I don't think there is necessarily a player on the team as of now. Maybe it'll be Jason Tatum. I think it's most likely to be Jason Tatum but a player who is going to set up big plays, a player who is going to move the ball around or really uh, have the court vision because Kemba Walker, don't get me wrong, is incredible. I am very high on Kemba Walker. I agree with you 100% that he is marginally worse than Kyrie Irving. I think there are very few, but there are some aspects to his game better than Kyrie Irving. Very few. I will digress that Kyrie Irving is a better point guard, but Kemba Walker is amazing and he's going to do really well for these young players. But I think the loss of Al Horford is going to be a very big and felt very strongly. And his canter can't even come close to the stuff he does defensively or in terms of passing the ball, in terms of just being that overall player as well as a glue guy. And I also think, and we'll wait and see, their success or how successful they can be is also going to be impacted on if they can manage to bring Marcus Morris back because Marcus Morris out of nowhere, I think undisputably was for the majority of the season, the second best player on that team. If not at certain times, the best player on that team random as hell, but that was just the case that they were in last season. So if they can bring Marcus Morris back, have a little more faith, but I do think the Boston Celtics are just a smidge worse off, but going in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue because I would love to talk about where Al Horford went, and let's talk about the Sixers a little bit, one of your top teams. 
and they right now have a very interesting starting five potentially of Ben Simmons, uh, Josh Richardson, which they got in the Jimmy Butler deal, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. And uh, to me, that's a great starting five for, for people who were not able to watch a lot of Heat games. I mean, Josh Richardson was probably the best player on the Heat last year and, you know, has really come into his own and can do a lot of similar things that Jimmy Butler can do. So to me, that's a really, really interesting pickup for the Sixers. And uh, actually, you know, I just remembered, I did want to make another point about something earlier, just in case anyone listens to this, about the Celtics. Uh, I said they drafted Carson Edwards. Watch out for him for sixth man of the year, potentially, next year. He's an incredible scorer, just uh, so we can have this clip to throw into something next year. You heard it here first. Yeah, but let's get back to the Sixers. So um, I really love the starting five. The question will be, and this has been the same question for the Sixers for the last two or three years, and will be for the next 10 years probably, while these guys are on the team. Will Joel Embiid be healthy? Will Ben Simmons learn to shoot? And if those guys cannot do those things, then the Sixers will not win. But, you know, I said if everything comes together for the Celtics, if everything comes together for the Sixers, they have to be the favorite in the East, don't you think? It's tough because as of recording now, as you mentioned before, Kawhi, we don't know what's going on with him. He could be back in Toronto. Um, You could never really look past, you know, last year's champions. And then there's still, you know, MVP Giannis over in Milwaukee. But like you said before, I, I love the Philadelphia 76ers. I find them so, so exciting to watch. I think they have an amazing team. And I hope Ben Simmons learns how to shoot after all the money they just threw his way to, you know, sign him for, I think it's a four-year. He's, he's there for four more years. Yeah, I believe they gave him a max, but uh, I'll check on that. Yeah, they gave him a max, yeah. So a max contract. So dude better learn to shoot. But uh, I think you said it all. I think they're definitely a top candidate in the East. I think it's very similar to this past year situation where it can go either way between the Raptors, the 76ers, or the Bucks. I am excluding the Celtics from this as I excluded them in the latter half of this past season. But... Yeah, the 76 look good, man. I, I love Tobias Harris. He is one of my favorite players. I am so, so excited that he is the player they decided to stick with rather than Jimmy Butler, not being a huge fan of Jimmy Butler. And I think Josh Richardson was a great return considering it was a sign-in trade. I mean, they're lucky they got anything, right? Jimmy Butler could have just walked and uh, gone anywhere, but they fortunately not only got something out of it, but they got a great young player in Josh Richardson, a guy who for about the first half of last season, had near to all-star stats. He had a real breakout year, and he kind of fell off. Um, Inefficient shooting, wasn't really able to get himself composed in the second half of the season. But I really look forward to him playing alongside Ben Simmons. I think that's going to be very interesting. And I think it also gives you an option for those clutch moments where you can't rely on having Ben Simmons having the ball in his hand because you need someone ready to take the shot. And Josh Richardson back in Miami had a lot of experience bringing the ball up before they decided to put Justice Winslow in the point guard position. So I think Josh Richardson really backs up Ben Simmons, really gives them more options on the floor, spreads them out. That's for sure. 
And uh, talking about another guy who spreads them out, Al Horford. Is that going to work with Joel Embiid? I don't know. Are they going to pair them together? I really don't know. I'm not sure what that would look like. Al Horford does have experience playing with another big guy back to his Atlanta Hawk days with Paul Millsap. Granted, Al Horford played center, Paul Millsap power forward. But I think in today's NBA, sometimes it's kind of just like, what's the difference? No disrespect to centers, no disrespect to power forwards. But sometimes you can just pair two big guys who play big and hope for the best. I think this could work, the Al Horford-Joel Embiid duo. And, I mean, if not, you have Al Horford coming off the bench. I mean, that's one of the best bench options you can possibly have. Granted, the amount of money they are giving him may not age well as he ages. But uh, I guess that's for us to see over the next four years. But right now, I am super excited for the Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid 76ers. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm excited to see how they play too. The Ben Simmons contract is uh, five years, $170 five million. Years. Okay. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the max that they can offer him right now, $170 million. So that's a pretty big contract. What I, what I would say about the Sixers, and this was my issue kind of with them going into last year, which is when they traded for Tobias Harris – they empty out a lot of their bench. And so far this year, they've lost J.J. Reddick to New Orleans. They've lost T.J. McConnell to Indiana. Uh, they lost Boban to Dallas. I mean, they pretty much emptied out their bench as well in order to be able to pay for Horford and pay to sign Tobias to the max. So, I mean, after their starting five, the drop-off in the rest of their team like really drops off. So it's really a matter of can these guys play healthy? And I just believe the starting unit is so strong. But for the rest of the team, that's where I would get worried a little bit. I think they're kind of going after, not to the same degree, the Golden State model where in the more recent years, where it's all about how strong those five players that first step on the court are for you rather than the players that are coming off the bench. Kind of like, let's get the best players possible for our starting five and then anyone else backing them up. It doesn't matter because our starting five is so good. I think that's the model they're going after, which is very interesting after the whole trust the process, you know, that the whole idea is to grow all these young guys together so we can be a dynasty for years. It doesn't seem to be that's the case. I mean, Tobias is, is still a very young player. You know, you still have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Josh Richardson is young, but I mean, I don't know if they're locked and loaded and he's set to be a 76 or now for life. Regardless, I agree with you. It's interesting that they've started to get rid of, you know, these guys, Dario Saric back when they had Robert Covington, uh, you know, TJ McConnell coming off the bench. But I really think highly of this starting five or at least these five players to be on the 76ers and really dominate because. You have teams like Milwaukee, who, again, I still think are in top contention. And I will probably talk about Milwaukee in a second. But team like Milwaukee, who's still in top contention with the 76ers and the Raptors. But Milwaukee lost some players in the offseason. I mean, they managed to sign Chris Middleton, who, again, one of my, also one of my favorite players. But they lost a player, and the Raptors might lose their best and most important player. So, meanwhile, you have Philadelphia, who 
just has this monster level starting five. So they could be a serious threat, which really going to be dependent on how Milwaukee comes swinging and what Toronto does. But regardless, I am super excited. And it's going to be interesting, to your point, to see how they play solely with these five and a very lackluster Amir Johnson-filled <laughs> bench. Yeah, let's do a little bit of a, a rapid fire, if you're okay, on some of the other teams in the East, because uh, there is one other big move, so we could do this one a little bit longer, but uh, let's talk about Miami for a little bit, who is not necessarily a championship contender, but uh, my favorite team personally uh, got Jimmy Butler, so really the, the new face of the franchise to replace Dwayne Wade is now Jimmy Butler. You know, signed uh, or drafted Tyler Hero, who I was really fond of as uh, playing at Kentucky. And I think he's going to be really great. He's killing it in Summer League right now. So doesn't always mean anything. I mean, Lonzo Ball killed it in Summer League too. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Uh, the tragic situation is a little bit up in the air. Um, still has a solid, you know, they still have Bam, traded away Whiteside. So they're still up in the air a little bit. So not so much necessarily as a team about how they're going to do, because in my opinion, and I think yours too, we're looking at about a 500 squad again. But, yeah. uh, but what do you think about the Jimmy Butler to Miami overall? Overall, I think it is exactly what Jimmy Butler would like. I think it is the perfect situation for him. I think Jimmy Butler, not knowing him personally, but wants to be in a situation where he can lead this team, uh, not to a championship, but can lead this team, uh, be the guy, and be surrounded by a bunch of other guys who don't really need the ball in their hands. Um, Everyone that you and I have said at one point or another is the future of Miami, and maybe we were a little trigger happy, and maybe we got a little too hyped up, but guys like Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, at a point, Hassan Whiteside, they're not there anymore. This is Jimmy Butler's team. They're going to be a 500 team. And yeah, I think he found himself in the perfect Jimmy Butler situation. What about you? Yeah. So as a Heat fan, this is the, I believe what Pat Riley, who I have the utmost respect for, I think what he would probably be aiming to do or hoping that would happen. Now, um, I'm sure he has other plans, but the, in a perfect world, Kawhi Leonard resigns in Toronto for two more years because that is an option for Kawhi to do where he would actually make more money as a free agent in 2021. And then Miami goes after Kawhi then and pairs up the Kawhi Jimmy Butler uh, pairing that the Clippers were talking about and uh, potentially maybe the Rockets or something like that. But the Heat would go after Kawhi in a couple years. Obviously, that you know, if Kawhi signs a full max contract in Toronto or the Clippers or the Lakers, that's uh, that's out the window. But I think that uh, you know, Pat Riley's a smart guy. I think he what's he, what he wants to do is build up a core of some young players. Now we have the first piece because I, I'm I've always been a Jimmy Butler fan, but I've always said he is going to be the third best player on a championship team. Unless you maybe pair him with one of the top three guys in the whole NBA, you pair him with LeBron, KD, or Kawhi. And I think that Kawhi and Jimmy Butler can win a championship together, depending on what else is happening in the league. So I think that would be the ideal situation for Miami moving forward. Be defensively an insane team to deal with. Yeah. Also really funny, and just before we move from Miami, I saw something online saying that Apparently, last season, Dwayne Wade said, made the statement that if Jimmy Butler 
were to come to Miami, he would consider not retiring. So now apparently balls in Dwayne Wade's court for this one. Yeah, see, so yeah, I would love that, obviously, but I think he had his moment in the sunshine, and uh, I, I wouldn't want to see him go out in any other way than the way that he did this past year. So mm-hmm. um, even, even then, I mean, I, I still think if D-Wade at uh, 60% of his old self, you know, they're still not winning a championship. You know, you give me uh, 2006 Dwayne Wade with Jimmy Butler now, I mean, of Oof. course, they're uh, championship contenders, but uh, not the guy that he used to be. But uh, yeah, so let's let's do it. You know, these teams, there's a couple other teams in the East that are important, but not ones that made some crazy moves. I mean, we have, like you said, Milwaukee, uh, who lost Brogdon and lost Miritich. Uh, you know, Miritich is about to become the highest paid player ever in EuroLeague. It, that's crazy stat. But those are two guys that are really big parts of their rotation. Really uh, big? Yeah, so that's a huge loss. So I, I think Milwaukee's looks worse right now. So any, any points on Milwaukee you want to bring up? Nope. I think that's really about it. I think, unfortunately, Miritich had glimpses at the beginning of the season when still with New Orleans where he could have been a borderline all-star. So it's really sad that he didn't have time to actually integrate himself in their offense. He kind of came right before playoffs where all he was being used for was as a spot-up shooter. So I think had he had more time, he could have contributed more. He wanted the money. That's totally fair. You do you, man. Brogdon's a big loss. That's 18 points right there. A very great perimeter defender. Milwaukee's a little worse off. They were able to retain Chris Middleton, which is an amazing, amazing keep on their part because he could have been a horrible, horrible for them. But in addition to another team, you know, pairing him with LeBron would have been just very dangerous. So, yeah, like you said, Milwaukee's a little worse off. So here's the way I would love to finish with talking about the East, and then we'll move on to a couple teams in the West, which is... Uh, Sorry, they also paid George Hill. Why? I don't why, know. Why give George Hill money? What's the point of that? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he did have a couple game, good games for them in the playoffs, so I'm not going to completely knock him, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, but let, let's, let's put a button on the East a little bit, which has actually become way more exciting than the West in the last few years. In right. the last like, two years. But So let's talk about this. So coming out of the... NBA season, you had four teams that you were looking at as your top four teams in the East. And a lot of people felt like there were four teams in the East that could win the championship. So you had, obviously, Toronto wins the championship. They're the number one. Then you have Milwaukee, who had the best record in the league last year. They're number two. Philadelphia has some incredible young pieces. And then you had Boston, who who knows how they were going to fit in. Um, so let, let's, let's do this exercise assuming that Kawhi stays on Toronto because I think if you take Kawhi off Toronto, obviously, you know, they're the worst team. But I would like you to give me, out of these five teams, because I'd like to throw in the Nets in there, out of Toronto with Kawhi, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, and now the Brooklyn Nets, give me your top five in order. What's, what's the power rankings for the East right now? We're... Assume, like with KD sitting out for this season with KD as his current stat. So, so with the information we know currently, so I understand that Kawhi is not officially on Toronto, but let's but do he's it with on with, Toronto. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So let's, let's do that exercise. Where, how would you rank those five teams right now? I'm going to go with Toronto at number one. I am going to put, I'm actually going to put, Oh my God, this is way tougher than I thought. Um, Look, Milwaukee got a little worse, but they still have the MVP on their team. Um, I'm going to put the 76ers at number two. I'm going to put 
Milwaukee at number three. It was Brooklyn and Boston. Yeah. Okay, we're including Boston. I'm going to put Brooklyn at number four because they're still figuring things out and Boston at number five. Yeah, so I, I, I think that makes sense. I, I like what you said. So I think Toronto has to be, if Kawhi comes back, Toronto still has to be the favorite. So yeah. you have to put them at number one. Um, I would say that Brooklyn has the highest upside, naturally. Um, high ceiling, yeah. yeah high, a very high ceiling that if everything comes together for them. And um, so I, the thing I'm struggling with, like I said, is our discussion about the Sixers and their bench. So for me, uh, I would say number one is Toronto. Number two is Milwaukee. You know, even though they got worse, I still have faith um, in the Greek freaks. So I kind of feel like they're going to figure it out. They're going to make a couple other signings over the summer and we'll see. I mean, if this is a, it, it'll be interesting because coming off an MVP season, we'll see how the Greek freak reacts to that after a tough loss in the playoffs, how he is. Um, so who is this tough between two and two and three is Milwaukee Philly. But I, I, that's why I want to ask the question because I wanted to kind of us like figure it out in our heads. I guess because of the bench in Philadelphia, I'm going to go with Milwaukee at number two. I'm going to go with Philadelphia at number three. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm still, if, if Katie is playing and healthy, they jump up right away. They're probably my number two team. But oh. I, I will say number two behind Kawhi on Toronto because I still think you ought to, you got to prove it, that you guys can play together and do that stuff. But um, I'm going to go with Boston. Uh, if they did not get Kemba Walker, they would definitely be below. But I think that that was a big pickup. And I think that, they, like I said, if everything comes together for Boston, they still can win a championship. And then I'm going to put the Nets at number five. And it's not because I don't think everything's going to work out. But like I said, just to you know, sum it all up, I just want to see it. I still think they're missing a couple pieces. And I think Katie comes back healthy. It all works out. You know, any of those five teams can win. That's, that's where I'm coming from. But they would probably be a number five right now. Yeah, definitely on the lower tier in the season that KD isn't there. I'm of the belief once KD's back, it's all hell breaks loose game over in the East. But we have a lot of basketball to watch before that. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. Yeah, and we still have a lot of basketball to talk about right now. So let's kind of move over to the West. And we'll start with the best team in the West, right? Before we move over to the West, sorry, last last exercise, last little game I want to throw your way. This free agency, biggest, two biggest winners in the East and two biggest losers in the East. Um, I, I would say, ooh, so out of the teams we kind of talked about, because there's a lot of little moves that we're not going to kind of get into over here, but I, I think that it's really hard to do that without knowing about the Kawhi thing. Uh, if Toronto doesn't get Kawhi back, I think they are the biggest loser in the East uh, just because of the impact. I'd say the Nets are obviously your biggest winner. Um, and then I would say uh, probably Philadelphia getting Al Horford. It's really hard to say Miami getting Jimmy Butler just because uh, the plan is obviously more of a long-term plan. But as far as the two biggest winners, I think you have to go Nets and then the Sixers for the two biggest losers. Um, that's That's a tough one. It's really hard for me to do that until I know what happens with Kawhi. I think you have to talk about Milwaukee losing those, those players, I guess. And, I mean, the, by far, we know the biggest loser in the East is the Knicks. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you had another couple of random teams in the East that you were thinking about with some smaller moves. But as far as I'm concerned, those are really my winners and losers. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I think the only team I'm going to add in there, because for me, I'd say my two biggest winners are Brooklyn, as mentioned. But the second biggest winner that uh, we didn't discuss, and I think some of their moves fell a little under the radar, but is the Indiana Pacers. 
I think the Indiana Pacers had low-key, maybe even the best offseason, the best free agency so far. I mean, they got T.J. Warren. I'm going to try and do this quick, but they got T.J. Warren literally for nothing. They got T.J. Warren and a pick for nothing. They paid money. This is a guy who averaged 18 points a game last season on, I think, something of like 49 field goal percentage and 40 from the three. Now, he's not going to maintain that. I don't expect him to maintain that, and he is a little injury prone. This is a great offensive player. He's a bit of a liability on defense, but a great offensive player. They also managed to get Jeremy Lamb, who averaged, I think, 15 points a game last year for Charlotte. Great shooter. Great just guy to have. And also, TJ McConnell, and most importantly, one of their biggest assets they picked up and is going to be one of their biggest assets moving forward, Malcolm Brogdon, as we mentioned, coming from Milwaukee. I think a backcourt of Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo is really going to be something to watch out for. So this team, Indiana Pacers, who have already been playing a very, very, very good form of team well-rounded basketball, just got three great assets to add to that well-roundedness. Sorry, four. I, I mentioned TJ McConnell, right? Four great assets to add to that. Guys who really know their role, know their place, and are going to make your team tick. So I love what Indiana's doing over there. They have great coaching as well. So I actually expect them to be better than the Boston Celtics. I expect them potentially to be better than this year. Actually, I expect them to be better than this year's Brooklyn Nets. I expect them to be a top four in the East maybe even better. I expect big things from Indiana. Yeah. So I think Indiana is also a great call. And I I mean, I also do want to shout out to Charlotte for picking up Terry Rozier. I think that's a very solid pickup as well. So, but I'm just happy he's getting his money. He deserves it. Yeah, for sure. Not going to be any better, but that's what he wanted. He's going to play well. He's going to be very good there. Exactly. Uh, So let's move on to the West. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Golden State Warriors, who were the best team in the West for the last few years and have really blown it all up as far as I'm concerned. Let's start with them losing Kevin Durant, uh, which I don't blame them. Not their fault. I don't think there was anything that they could do. And I think that that was Katie's decision on his own, and they offered him the max. They did what they could. They showed up at... Uh, Clay's door the second that free agency opened they offered him a max contract so you know these are guys who you know if you're the GM of the Warriors like there's nothing else you can do but then you trade a Godala, which I think was who was probably the most underrated part of their three championships that they won mm-hmm. and a huge aspect for them which is a really interesting trade and and may have had something to do with him over the last couple of weeks calling out their training staff on different uh, talk shows and saying how he kind of felt that the Warriors misdiagnosed some injuries or at least publicly disclose injuries in an interesting way that uh, may not have been good. Uh, you know, two years ago when they were playing uh, Houston, they said that, uh, that uh, Iguodala had a bone bruise and apparently Iguodala claims that he had a fracture in his leg and he had other players who were asking him when he was coming back because the injury wasn't so serious as far as they were concerned, but, you know, uh, Andre Iguodala knew that the injury was more serious, and this became a thing as far as the Warriors questioning KD as well for his injury and kind of pushing him to play this year may have forced their hand to get rid of him. But I think it's a huge loss on the court. And 
you know, so that's a guy that you lose uh, coming off your bench in the last few years. We don't know what's going to happen with Boogie Cousins yet, so if they're going to get him back. But they do get D'Angelo Russell, which is a really interesting uh, thing, especially because Clay is not going to be back for a while with that injury. So you're basically looking at the new Warriors. It's, it's a whole new era in Golden State. What do you think about this team right now? I, I just think that the Warriors are kind of – it's almost like you're playing NBA 2K. Like you kind of get bored of your team. So you go and just like trade for different all-stars and to have a different way of making your team sick. Look, I think they, they literally are one of the winners of this year's free agency easily in the, in the West and the East and the entire NBA. They're one of the winners because their answer to losing Kevin Durant, the arguably best player in the world was, Hey, let's go get an all-star. Let's go get D'Angelo Russell. And, as a Minnesota Timberwolf fan, I was devastated because apparently it was reported that Minnesota is where he wanted to be. Minnesota is where he's coming. Cats recruiting, but I got the devastating news of finding out he is on what team but Golden State Warriors. But in terms of how this is going to impact the Warriors, where it's going to take them, I think it's awesome. I think especially right now with Clay, who's probably going to be out for at least the regular season at the very least, uh, maybe come back towards the end. Um, having a backcourt of Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell is not only going to be dangerous for other teams, extremely dangerous, one of the best backcourts in the league right now, but it's going to be really fun to watch. And that's a little bit conflicting as someone who is not so fond of the Golden State Warriors, but they're going to be fun to watch. I think also a very under-the-radar move they made and also something that even people wouldn't really think as highly as they should have is they got Willie Cauley-Stein. And I don't know what their plan is for DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I think it should be to try and keep him for one year. Um, But regardless, I mean, you have a great center in Willie Cauley-Stein. You have a guy who over the past two seasons has almost averaged a double-double. His... He's more efficient this past year than he ever was. And I see him being great for them, especially when he's going to be able to get more touches than he was getting on Sacramento. Obviously, this depended on if Boogie Cousins decides to come back to the Golden State Warriors. And it's really funny because back in both of their Sacramento Kings days, I kind of always referred to Willie Cauley-Stein as Junior Boogie. So now you have the two of them back together over in Golden State. But... Yeah, man, this D'Angelo Russell over there, it's like us warrior haters can't get a break, but it's going to be exciting. And I look forward to seeing how him and Steph play together. Yeah, no, you guys can't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they re-signed Kevon Looney as well, so they also have Looney. Yeah, oof, I, so, you're right, I saw that. So the uh, I, I don't think they're so worried about, uh, but, I, but if I'm Boogie, I still want to play on the Warriors. That's, that's really where I'm coming from. Agreed. If I'm Boogie, I would rather take this year with the Warriors to prove that I'm healthy enough to play than anywhere else in the league in case I'm not healthy enough to play. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, next, the next natural question would be, how do the Warriors stack up against the Lakers? You know, the Lakers who just got Anthony Davis and were looking to potentially add Kawhi. I mean, we don't have all the answers yet. And the interesting thing is for all the teams that have added or lost players, I mean, the Lakers have basically done nothing. 
since the uh, Anthony Davis move. So is it because they're waiting to see if Kawhi is going to sign with them? And then if they don't, you know, they have this extra money for Kawhi, then they'll start building their team. So it's really, really hard for us to answer. I mean, all we know is that they've added Jared Dudley, but that is literally it. Um, so it's really hard to answer that question. So I'm not going to necessarily quiz you on the Lakers right now because uh, we did do the LeBron AD conversation last podcast. And the, you know, in my opinion, the Rockets, you know, still are going to be one of the top teams as well. So I assume we're probably looking, you know, the Rockets who have not made a deal yet that really impacted their team. I think we're really looking at, you know, potentially a three team race in the West between the Rockets, the Lakers, um, the Warriors, and then obviously Kawhi changes that balance of power. If he goes to the Clippers or he goes to the Lakers, you know, then we can have that conversation later on. But to me, those are probably the three teams I'm looking at as serious contenders. And then, of course, there's the a bunch of young teams, too. So let's let's do this in two parts. So let's talk about first uh, any contenders that you really see as like serious contenders moving on. To me, like I said, it's three teams. We got the Houston Rockets. We got the Lakers. Uh, and then we got the Warriors. And then let's talk about beyond that, uh, any other teams that are young, up and coming teams. So let's start with the contenders. Anything you want to say about the Rockets, the Lakers, or any other, anyone else? It's like, when I talk contenders, like, I want to throw, and I know we're going to end up throwing them in the other category of young upcoming teams. I want to throw Denver in there. I want to throw Portland in there. But it's like, I don't know. When they're up against AD and LeBron, granted, right now the Lakers are in a really shitty situation that they really put all their eggs in the Kawhi Leonard basket because – I don't even think there is anyone they can get at this point. I mean, their options were to get another star or, which they can't now, all the stars are gone, or surround LeBron and Anthony Davis with great role players like Bogdanovich, get Brooke Lopez back in there, Miritich if he didn't leave off to Europe. None of those are options anymore. But I still see the star power of Anthony Davis and LeBron James carrying this Lakers team to the finals, if not be the Golden State Warriors going to the finals. I'm kind of, I've kind of lost hope of the Houston Rockets being like a serious contender in the West, especially now that this LeBron AD pairing is uh, on the Lakers. So in terms of true contenders, people that I can actually see going to the finals, potentially winning a championship, I solely see the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I still think it's a three-team race. I think that the Warriors uh, probably are the favorites. I mean, uh, depending on when Clay comes back, if Clay comes back early enough and he's ready to go for the playoffs, I think they're probably the favorites. And then I think that, like I said, I mean, it's, it, you know that the Lakers would be the favorites if they were able to build a team around them. So it's really hard for us to have that discussion until we really know what's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still like the Rockets. I still think that they're going to be up there. I don't necessarily think that they are favored against either one of those two teams. But I guess the more interesting discussion is the uh, young up-and-coming teams. And there are a lot of them, so I don't necessarily want to go through each one of them in the way that we did in the East. Um, but I would love to kind of – maybe we should both pick, you know, one team that we feel is really good. I mean, out of – I guess, you know, you said Portland and Denver. We also have the Mavericks who uh, are building something really good. And then you have the Pelicans. 
Uh, and I'm sure there's other young teams, even Sacramento. Like, there's other teams that are very good and solid. But, you know, these are teams that we kind of – I think on the first podcast we did, we said let's each pick a couple teams that are up and coming. We spoke about Atlanta in the east, Dallas in the west. Uh, we spoke about New Orleans. This was even, like, you know, the New Orleans situation before um, before AD got traded. But now – with uh with zion there and with lonzo there drew holiday so let's kind of get into it so a couple teams from you that you think are young up-and-coming teams that are having big years i think the denver nuggets are going to be a top three team in the west in the regular season i think they're going to have way stronger of a playoff run than they did last year and i mean look if michael porter jr can actually pan out to what he was anticipated to be before the injuries I think that's a great addition for them I see the Joker only getting better and better same with Jamal Murray same with Gary Harris despite the despite the slight decline last season so I think Denver is really gonna be a real force to be reckoned with not just a regular season team I don't see them being a repeat of what the Raptors have been in the past I see them being a serious threat so I'm really big on Denver I think Portland, I'm big on Damian Lillard. I don't really care for the moves that they made in terms of getting a sign white side. If Dame and CJ can do their thing, they're going to be the same type of threat they always are, but I don't see them being real threats when it comes to the actual playoffs. Um, I think Utah is going to be a lot better. I think Utah made some moves that aren't going to make them an up-and-coming team aren't going to make them a because they're not the youngest of teams, but I think Utah arguably had one of the better free agencies in the West. I mean, they managed to get Mike Conley, who is old but hell of an upgrade from Ricky Rubio, and I say that as Ricky Rubio being one of my favorite players. You know, they got Bogdanovich, who last season had like a crazy breakout season. This guy can shoot lights out. You know, to pair him with Don- the young duo of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And I see Utah potentially even being like an AC this year. You know, I mean, they really almost came close to it this past year, but I really see them potentially getting there. And we've spoken before about Sacramento Kings. I think they have room to grow. And I think in a few years, they're going to kind of be what I thought Denver was going to be like three years ago. Like I, I see Sacramento Kings in like two, three years being a regular season top team in the West. But right now, to really answer your question, I am all about the Denver Nuggets in terms of young teams that are going to really shake up the NBA. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think, like I said, a couple other teams that I'm interested in, I'm interested in the Dallas Mavericks. You know, they got Jalen Brunson in the draft. They got Seth Curry uh, signed as a free agent. Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, they picked up last year. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, former Florida Gator, very solid player. Justin Jackson, they picked up a lot of young, great players. Uh, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis obviously being the core of their future. And I think they're building themselves up to sign somebody big moving forward. And uh, they're probably going to pick up another point guard. I know they were looking at Drogic at one point. So they are really interesting to me. And then the Pelicans, who are the talk of the NBA, as to, you know, when the NBA season premieres, everyone's going to be on Zion watch to see what he does with this team that they put around him. A really, really exciting team that they now have 
a lot of young guys, you know, Lonzo, Ingram, Hart. I mean, if they're all healthy, then he could really build up and all around the same age and work together. And then, you know, signing JJ Redick, still having Drew Holiday on the team. They got Derek Favors, and then they drafted Jackson Hayes. They got Jaleel Okafor. It's just a bunch of really interesting guys on the Pelicans that I just can't wait to see how this this team ends up playing together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these are teams that I don't necessarily expect to compete for championships next year, but just ones that I find really exciting and up and coming. Yeah, um, we forgot to mention that the Dallas Mavericks also now have Boban on their team. So that's a star player right there. But in terms of New Orleans, I think the Pelicans did a great job at in terms of getting players like J.J. Redick, Derek Favors, and some of the players they already have at having the perfect guys to surround Ingram, Lonzo, and Zion with to get the maximum potential out of these players. I think we've discussed before that I think Lonzo is perfect for Zion. I think Zion is perfect for Lonzo. I think that's going to be a awesome and really fun duo to watch. I think having guys like Redick, you know, to just kind of like spot up shoot, that's going to be great for Lonzo too. I really think that this team is going to get the most out of their young core of Lonzo, Zion, and Ingram. So 100% agree with you. New Orleans is in a great situation right now. Where do you see them ending up next year? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I probably see them as maybe a six or seven seed and maybe being bounced out in the first or second round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, I know, I know some people don't even have them making the playoffs, but I, I see them making the playoffs next year. How about you? Ooh, um. I just can't. I can't see them making the playoffs. It's just, I mean, right right off the top of my head, and in no particular order, but you have Portland, you have OKC, you have uh, Portland, OKC, Los Angeles, Houston, Golden State, that's five right there, Denver. I personally see Sacramento being a team to really deal with. I I think San Antonio is always in playoff contention when you're talking about Greg Popovich. Ah, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't see them in the playoffs next year, but I see them right below. Also, like I said before, I see Utah being a potential playoff team. I see them right below. I see them being like a ninth seed, tenth seed team. Yeah, so very interesting enough, I believe it was LeBron's first year in Cleveland that they ended up as the nine seed and just just missed the playoffs in his first year in the NBA. So something similar could happen with Zion, but it's just for me, if they're all healthy, I think they're going to sneak in there. You know, they would probably be this surprise team. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of, you know, does it for me as far as my, you know, initial thoughts on all the different moves in the NBA for a free agency. Was there any other teams or any other points that you want to talk about? Well, I just want to hear from you, like we did before in the East, if you had to give me your two winners of the West and your two losers of the East in this free agency. Losers of the West. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) no problem. So I would say, uh, like I said, it's still this Kawhi thing is like a little bit tough for me. I think you got to put Golden State at the top of the winners list. Um, and maybe the top of the losers list, if that's a crazy like curveball that I'm throwing you, just because they had some really big losses, but they always had, I don't know, I guess that, I guess that kind of puts them in neither list in a way, if you, the way you look at it. Um, I'm going to have a lot tougher time answering this question for you in the West, because I just really don't think that there's 
a team that landed someone that I just feel like really good about. I do think that the Rockets needed to make a move and then they didn't. And uh, that was probably puts them on the loser list for me. And, you know, I'm just looking through the teams. I, I don't really, really see anyone that I feel so strongly about either way. I think if the Clippers end up without Kawhi, they're probably on my loser list because uh, there was just so much hype for them. Uh, I do think Utah getting Conley, I think that's obviously puts them probably on the winner's list as well. Portland made some interesting moves, as you had mentioned, but I don't really see it's It's much more clear cut in the East than it is the West. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think the only real, real, real standout for me personally, funny enough, again, as a Ricky Rubio fan, I think Phoenix lost in free agency this year. I think if if they are not the biggest losers in free agency this year, they're definitely one of them in terms of letting TJ Warren literally just walk and then picking up Ricky Rubio as the point guard they have been needing now for so, so long. So if he can make it work for them, well, God bless. I do love Ricky Rubio, but I just don't see it happening, especially with Devin Booker being a guy who needs the ball in his hand and can create his own shot the way he does. But yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I have the Phoenix Suns as one of my top losers for 2019 NBA free agency. Yeah, I think Terry Rozier was probably the right answer for them, um, and yep. they weren't able to pull that off. So that's that's definitely tough. But uh, so let's finish off here. Uh, you know, we've been going for a little while talking about the different moves in the NBA, and it's been a lot of fun. So thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you did, I mean, uh, it's always fun for us to talk NBA, and I know that we went very niche into one specific subject today. Uh, so you know, I can understand if you may have skipped this one, but. If you didn't, we're so happy to have you and talk. And please let us know your thoughts on and your opinions on NBA free agency. Uh, obviously, if there's uh, some bigger news coming out in the next uh, month or so, uh, whether it's the Kawhi news or whatever, and we're, we're on a podcast, we'll make sure to cover it just a little bit to give our, uh, give our thoughts on that. But uh, any final thoughts, Nick? Nope, that's about it. Just like you said, thank, thank you so much. If you made it this far, if you've listened to any of the other episodes, um, it really means the world. Uh, John and I, up until now, have kind of just been doing this for fun to kind of, you know, create like a bank of content and it has been fun. And I always look forward to doing this. I know John does too. And uh, if you can just get a little bit of joy out of, you know, listening to us talk, whether it be NBA like this episode, which like you said, was niche or any of the other topics that we talk about on this podcast, then that just fills my heart. So thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, we really appreciate it. As always, you can follow Nick uh, on any social media at Nick. You can follow me at John Schneider 24 Make sure to subscribe to the Nick and John podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, really any podcast provider there is. I believe we're on 13 to 15 different platforms. I listened to it on Apple Podcasts for the first time last episode. Oh, <laughs> How great. funny is that? Oh, great. So you look all, all you have to do is subscribe and you'll get a nice little notification when the new episode is out. Uh, we are working on a new logo for the podcast as well. So you guys will get to see that coming out soon. And uh, yeah, like I said, some exciting things coming up in the next uh, few months. It's really great that we're kind of into the summer now. Things are a little bit quieter. So we're really able to devote our time to the podcast and make sure that we can get out some good content for you guys. So we really appreciate all the support. Ciao. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for listening. And we will see you next time. Thanks, guys.